It's been a while. It's been good to come back. Been uh, all over the place, um, uh, especially over in New Zealand, where I've been doing a lot of work over there. And until the COVID came along and sort of changed things a bit, but praise the Lord, it's all good now. We're on our way back there, just uh, not to live, but just to do things uh, in the Lord, of course. I just want to share this morning that something has um, been on my heart lately, and uh, it's it's incredible what's happening now around the world. We uh, we often see the things that are taking place right now is like um, it's a big attack on Christianity to me, as well as other things. Um, you know, in certain parts of the world, the yes has become no, and the truth has become false. You know, it's turned back to front. And uh, I believe in my heart that uh, in the Bible it talks, I think there's 260 chapters in the New Testament, 318 times uh, it's mentioned about the second coming of Christ. And I believe in my heart that it's our, it's our lifetime. It's going to happen in our lifetime. Now, the Bible, let me just say this to you because there's certain things you're going to bring up. The Bible does not tell us the exact day. It doesn't tell us the exact moment. But it does tell us many times that you'll know the season. And remember this, it talks about, you know, when a woman is having a baby, the birth pains become closer and closer. Uh, when we look at the world today, we've got to realise that we are very, very close to that happening. Now, I believe, some people mightn't believe, this is just my belief that we will go up in the rapture before it, it's too, it gets too bad on the earth. And uh, I believe that just like Noah, um, the Lord saved him and his family. Uh, Lot saved him and his family. Um, you know, there's plenty of places in the Bible where it shows you. And I do believe... That's what God will do to us. It's his church, his bride. He'll take us away before very bad things happen. Now, you know, you can go through it right now. And I believe, I'm just going to read you some scriptures that I feel firmly about. So I'm going to open up to Revelations chapter 2 verse 5. And... Uh, this scripture, when I can find it, a bit awkward sometimes, um, 29, here we go, Revelations chapter 2 and verse 5, chapter 2 verse 5, when I can find it, I'm still looking for it, here we go, it says, remember therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of the place, except thou repent. It's talking here about getting back to your first love uh, of the Lord. When I first got saved, um, I remember my life was completely changed. I was just a bad heroin addict and running around with guns and masks and doing arm hold-ups and all that sort of junk, became a very bad uh, criminal at the time. And uh, when the Lord came into a room in, in the, way back then and, and spoke to my heart, changed my whole life just after doing an arm hold-up, it was, it went wrong, uh, I got saved and, and, and I got radically saved. I, all my friends knew me as a real crazy old dude and um, fighter and stuff. Well, after that, I went back and told them all what happened to me about Jesus. They all looked at me cross-eyed and thought I was crazy. But I couldn't stop. And uh, I've been that way, you know. I, I eventually walked into a church and found Jesus properly. And, um, and, and there's been times, let me say this to you, you know, like you'll go through times of your life, you know. You'll, you get saved and you, sometimes we get radically saved like I was. And, uh, but then you go through... We, we, we live in a fallen world. So you'll go through times that the world will try and pull that radical uh, saving off you or that, 
you know, you're full on for Jesus, but there is times in our life, you could get married, just being married can slow things down, you could um, get a job, and, and in that job there could be a lot of people that don't like Christianity, and that can slow you down a lot too. You understand what I'm saying is, we, uh, we can go that way. And then the, the Bible tells us, it says, you know, keep the fan, fan the flame. It's talking about like, I'm going to read you another scripture out of 2 Timothy in 1.6. I got this, um, I, these are my, this is my old Bible I've had for many, many years. Isn't it amazing? Everything now is turned basically to um, your phone. And so even though I've got a lot of things written down here, <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite incredible how to find them when I get it on my phone and it's so much easier. But I don't like preaching from my phone because it sort of looks a bit funny. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, let's go to, where are we? 15, I'm looking at, uh, here it is, 2 Timothy 1, 6. 2 Timothy 1, 6. Uh, it says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou shalt stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of hands. Stir up the gift of God. The Bible says fan the flames. There's different uh, ones you can look at and talks about fanning the flames of God. You know, like you, you go out camping and you light a fire and through the night that fire will go down and, and it might be cold. So you want to get up and, and uh, put some wood on it and, and fan the flame to get it burning again. That's just like you and me as Christians. We've got to do that because you know what? I really truly believe that it's not far away before Jesus comes back. And um, like I said before, 318 times in the New Testament, there's 260 chapters in there, 318 times it mentions the second coming of Christ. And I do believe it's been a, you know, we go through times and people say, oh, I've heard that before and nothing's happening. Well, not these days. I think there's a lot of happening these days. We talk about in Matthew chapter 25, it talks about, and you go from 1 to 13, maybe not just open it up, but it talks about the 10 virgins and it talks about how they're, you know, going through uh, to get married and five of them had kept their lamps and their oil in their lamps ready in case they run out, where the other five didn't. Now, when... When the husbandman comes in and he says, right, oh, we're ready to go. And they'd run out and they came to the, to the door, I'm just putting it real bluntly, and said, let us in. Give us some of your oil. And they said, no, go and get your own. And we've only got enough for ourselves. So those five virgins went, went away to buy more oil. By the time they come back, it was too late. And I can tell you right now, that's like Christianity today. We've got to keep ourselves right with God on a daily basis and how like every day I like to get up and and I mean you do what you need to do but Sue and I we'd like to take communion as many times as we can through the week sometimes every day and uh, it doesn't hurt to do that just reminding God you know Isaiah 62 verse 6 says remind me of my promises I like to go to God and just remind God I want to thank him for every day I look out at you know it's amazing. I look at my place where we live and everything, and I just thank God that I'm still alive. I'm still here. I've just turned 70 years old, and uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be here for. God did give me a word when I was in prison. He said, with a long life, I'll satisfy, let you behold my salvation in the Psalms 91. And I've held on to that. Well, maybe I'll live to 80. I don't know. I'm not sure. All I know is I want to be right with God on a daily basis. I don't want to face God and he says, I'd like him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, not, well, what have you done? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want that. So I don't want to be one of those 10 virgins. Honestly, I want to, I want to try. Now I want to go over to <clears throat> Matthew, sorry, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24 and I'm going to 
somehow put this down and go over to it. Matthew chapter 24, and I want to read from verse 5, uh, 6 and 7. Matthew chapter 24. Now, I want to read this. Verses 5, 6 and 7. For many shall come in in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. Talking about what the apostles asked him, when will these things happen? He said, and ye shall hear wars and rumours of wars. Uh, See that you not be troubled, but all these things must come to pass. But the end is still not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. Now, I believe in my heart that we're in those certain times right now. Uh, in We go to um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. It says, Insomuch after the, the tribulation of, these, of those days shall the sun be darkened, and it's a little bit hard to see, that's better. Shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. Remember that word, the stars shall fall from heaven. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. And the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Well, I believe in my heart, I look into it. I look into those things as much as I can. I'll be all right. And um, I do believe that we're in those times right now. Now, there is certain people you can, you can listen to. I, I just want to show you a couple. There's uh, Thomas Horn. If you look up at the screen, you'll see him in a minute. They're going to put him up there. Thomas is the guy that's got the book there, the first one. He's a bald-headed guy. There he is there, Thomas Horn. Now, what I'm mentioning him for, he's, the, he's an author, and uh, he runs a TV Christian host. He's the host of... Skywatch TV, well-known, and uh, Thomas has written quite a few books, and it's called The, 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 uh, the, Whir- the Whirlwind, oh, I can never say it, The Whirlwind Prophecy, the, whirl- the Worm World Prophecy, that's my fantastic speech. But um, now, I would, I recommend, you can't just listen to one person, but I recommend you getting on the internet and just reading up about it. You know, the Bible says, study yourself, be approved. We don't know the times are coming, but he's written it. What happened? Let me explain to you what happened to him. He's, he's also uh, the bestseller of another one called Petrus Romanus. It was, he, he had um, Thomas actually in one part of his life. There's a few guys I want to talk about because it's not just one person, but I, I like to go and listen to a different different people to just keep my faith going, you know. Well, Thomas, Thomas Horn was found dead at one stage many years ago by his wife. Uh, you can look at it up and find out and see what it's all about there. He was found dead. But in that time that he died, he came back to life, God gave him a dream. And in that dream, there was a couple of things that took place. One of the things that took place was he had seen how that – uh, God had showed him how this certain pope was going to retire in 2011 in a certain date. Now, that was, this was a year or so before it happened. So Thomas was so shaken by this dream, he even says, when you listen to him, he almost fell out of bed when he, when he came back to life and everything like this after this dream. It was incredible. But he also had another dream. But I'm going to tell you, first of all, talk about this first one. So in his first dream, he sees the Pope retiring, which was just a thing that they don't normally do. And uh, he was going to retire on April, uh, a date in April, I think it was, in 2011. So he writes, he writes uh, letters to all of his, you know, he's well known in TV and stuff like that as Christian. He writes letters to them all and they all just went quiet on him. They didn't say a word. Now the funny part about it is, 2011 comes, and I think it was April, just remember, I might be wrong there, but it was, they came along and went, nothing happened. And he was shocked. He said, dear Lord, maybe I got it wrong, maybe I'm, you know, the devil gave me a dream, whatever it was. Anyway, 2012 came, 
And then the uh, the Roman uh, popes, whatever you like to call it over there, the big popes and everything like that in, in Rome, in uh, the what do you call that place? The Vatican. The Vatican sent out a message and said, listen, we haven't told anyone yet. We try to keep it quiet, but we're going to tell you now. The Pope retired, and he did retire last year, and he retired on that date that Thomas Horn had the dream. So straight after that, Thomas Horn started to get hundreds of messages, phone calls. How did you know that? Who gave you that information? This and that. So he was lifted up, like God lifted him up now. He'd done this for this other reason, because he had this second dream. And in this second dream, he, uh, and you can, he's written a book about it, what happened was he seen this gigantic rock coming towards uh, the earth. Now, he goes on and tells you what happened, but what happened also in 2004, this already took, had taken place, that NASA, NASA themselves had discovered this asteroid coming towards earth. I want to tell you, it's traveling at 28,000 miles per hour. It's 20 million metric tons, very big. It's like three football fields. It's, uh, if it does hit the earth, if it does, it will hit at 65,000 times bigger than Hiroshima. It's very big. And, um, and it's heading towards earth. Now, they mentioned this. This is NASA. You can read all this up. They, they, they mentioned, they know the exact date at that time they said it will hit the earth. They know the exact place it'll hit the earth. They said it was between Mexican and uh, the Californian border, very close to Hollywood. Uh, amazing. But anyway, it's going to hit there and it'll hit there on Friday, the 13th of April, 2029. Now... Let's just stop there for a minute. They called this, uh, this asteroid, this is them themselves, a, pul- a pulpus. Now, that, a pulpus means the enemy of life. That's what it means. Now, when this took place, obviously NASA was invaded by questions and everything. They freaked out. So they changed it. They changed it and said, hang on, hang on. No, 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 it'll just miss the earth. It'll... It'll take out some of our satellites that were 200 kilometres in the air. <laughs> take out a couple of them. But that's all it'll do. It won't hit us. They were freaking out. Yet 50 other Christian scientists ran, went into it and they've done studies on it and said it will hit the earth. It will. Now that's in around about 2029. If that takes place, if that's true. Don't sit there and say, Pastor Terry said it's going to happen. The rapture's going to happen a couple of years before. Listen, all I'm just saying is we've got to fan the flame of Christianity in us. Because if that does take place, that means God will not let us be here when that takes place. Because I will read you what the Bible says about the seven trumpets. It says, now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel, this is in Revelations chapter 8, verse 6 to 9. The first angel blew his trumpet and therefore there uh, followed hail and fire mixed with blood and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And the third of the sea became blood. The third angel blew his trumpet. This is all about the one rock that's heading towards earth. The third angel blew his trumpet and a greater star, the greater star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of the waters. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from the water. It becomes contaminated. And because of it, it had been made better. Listen to this, what it says here. This, this is all mixed up together. We've got to look at it, the different chapters. 
The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck the, the, uh, and, and a third of the moon. In other words, when it hits the earth, if it does hit the earth, there's going to be that much smoke and stuff, you know, that it throws up in the air, obviously, that the sun will be darkened because of this. The moon will be darkened and says uh, the moon and the third of the stars and that a third of their light might be darkened. And a third of the day might be kept from shining. And likewise, a third of the night. Now, that's, that's in Revelation. We don't have to fear. You and I don't have to fear. This is not a, a message uh, spreading fear, fear, fear. It's got nothing to do with it. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's keeping ourselves right with God, going on with the Lord, fanning the flame of God on a daily basis. Because if that's so, if that is so now, I want to say this to you. Get into it. Have a look at it. There's so many preachers talking about it around the world right now. It's been bought up in Daystar and everything. And, and how's this? Uh, what NASA has done, they've put together a video. I watched it. My own eyes. I listened to it. It went for an hour. And they talked about how um, uh, these future events that are taking place. And they, they talked about Wormwood. They talked about what they call a popus. And a pulpus, it's hard to say it. But they, what they shared was, yes, it is coming towards us. Yes, it is travelling 28,000 miles per hour. Yes, it is uh, huge. And uh, three, two to three four, uh, football fields in size. They said, so what we're looking at is, this is true, you can, you can read about it yourself. What we're looking at is putting together an, an explosion, an atomic explosion or a nuclear explosion. And on that nuclear explosion, they were thinking, well, maybe we could just blow it apart. Then they said on this documentary, said, no, hang on, they could blow it into hundreds of smaller rocks still coming towards Earth and could do more damage. So they're looking at ways of trying to get it off its trajectory or its path. They're trying to work out different ways. This is on the news now. We're not talking about is it going to happen. We're talking about what they're saying. For them to put together a documentary, they must be pretty worried about it. This is NASA. And NASA, I believe, if you listen to Thomas Horn, he'll tell you what he believes. Listen to it. Go home and listen. No, he's not the only one. But it's just, uh, I believe in my heart that, he's, he's, that God is showing us now. And what the Bible says, you know, um, there's so many things. He says you won't know the exact time but you'll know the season you can see the seasons coming up we all got to look around right now what a crazy world we live in you know look over in america that we follow that australia does follow you know like whatever happens there happens to us here and you see how they're going more against christianity now they're bringing up things that are way against the bible they're, they're looking at the christians as you know we don't know what we're talking about um, and it's all happening right in front of our eyes. It's hard to believe. Sometimes I watch, you know, CNN. I don't do much of it, but I, every now and again I'll flick it over to CNN just to watch the lies that they speak about is, and that they really believe them. Some of the things are so ludicrous. It's crazy. Some of the things that they're doing now, you know, um, regarding the earth. You know, we've got to change the electric cars and everything like that. But then you look into it, and what, what they've got to do to make those electric cars, they need oil. It's just the craziest, stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. However, we are heading down that path. And I do believe in my heart that God wants us to look at it and, and, yeah, and, and obviously start to say to ourselves, right, keep right with God. Fan the flame. Go out and tell people, I mean, when I first got saved, I still do it today, honestly. I, I mean, there's been times in my life where I've slowed down, but I've gone back up again, you know, in sharing Jesus. I want to share Jesus no matter where I am. And, uh, and, and it's not like you're going to get there and, uh, you know, one of the things I do is I work alongside a lot of really tough truckies. I mean, these are interstate truckies, they're tough as. And they just swear like crazy and stuff like that. Well, I don't want to get mixed up in that, but I want to be their friend. And um, you can't go to those people and start throwing scriptures at them. 
that don't work. You know, they just think you're a nut. So you've got to come up with different ways that you can talk to them. And um, I've got, you know, I've been able to do that and lead quite a lot of them to the Lord. And uh, you know, I'm still mixed up with the motorcycle ministry side of things. Um, in a couple of weeks, I fly down to Melbourne to be with the Banditos down there and they're putting together a, a big thing there in the, in the Ballarat uh, Clubhouse and there's going to be a lot of chapters down there and uh, I'm looking forward to going down there and just sharing and just being friendly with them and, uh, and uh, they, they know my uh, stance with the Lord and uh, know that, you know, you know what, you and I, be, we've got to become the light of the world. We can't let the salt of this world dampen us so that we become too much salt and then we become like nothing. It's very, very important to fan the flame, to do what the Bible says, look into these different preachers. Uh, I mean, the amazing thing is April, the th- Friday, April the 13th, 2029, and where it's going to land, it's mind-boggling when you start to think about it. How it's, if it does hit, it's 65,000 times bigger than Hiroshima. That's huge. So a lot of people would get hurt out of it. Thank God, I believe in my heart, God will take us out of here beforehand. Now, what does that mean? Well, it could mean, I'm not saying, I'm not sitting there saying, you know, it's going to happen on these dates. I'm just saying it could. It could be around 2025 that Jesus takes us out of here. It could be, if you believe in the rapture. I believe that. I believe that, you know, that the Lord will save us from gigantic wrath that's coming upon the world. And uh, I don't want to be here. I could not imagine being here. To my heart now is when I hear of even someone who's passed, passed us away. Some might be famous, might be infamous people. You just, all you think of now is, I hope they were saved. I hope they were saved because it's so important to, I mean, imagine, imagine going to hell forever and forever and forever, being tormented forever and ever and ever. And when I look at those scriptures, I think I I don't want my lampstand being blown out. You know, I want to continue to share Jesus wherever I go, whatever I can do. I mean, God's blessed Susie and I since I first got saved. Here's what I was, a dirty heroin addict, you know, doing arm hold-ups, running into places and putting guns on people's heads and getting the money. And, you know, I'd been mixed up in martial arts, fighting, and I'd, I went to prison to fight, you know, fighting three, uh, three policemen. I nearly killed them. Mm. Not nearly killed them. I put them in hospital. The thing is, um, that's who I was. I hated police so bad. And so, you know, for God to get me, Dave, just it's amazing too. You know, when I think about it, my son, my oldest son, Jamie, down in Melbourne, has just become the inspector of Victorian police. And I think, dear Lord, what God has done, you know, in my life, I hated police. I went to jail because of police, you know. And now today, my son just become, this is only few days ago, the inspector of police in Victoria. What a, I feel so blessed because, you know, my life was so bad. It was so bad. And for God to change that when I wasn't even looking for him to come in and touch my life, change me around, and then bless Susie and I myself, you know, I had to go back to prison. I gave myself up because I was one of Australia, one of Victoria's most wanted at the time. So I did all that. They extradited me, put me back in prison. I went back into prison and then I started sharing about Jesus for the second time I went back in, Pentridge Jail. Now I came out of jail, God blessed us so much. I pleaded guilty, done all I had to do and uh, then God blessed me in a little business. That little business is still going today. It's still going. There's 200 people and it started off with a $26 drill. It's hard to believe how God just kept blessing us all the way through. Because I'm looking at him and going towards him. And then he blessed us so much. You know what I found out? I've had the nice cars. I still own nice cars, don't get me wrong. But 
I've, I've had the brand new Mustangs and the 50-foot beautiful boats. God's blessed me and owned everything. Just blessed me, blessed me, blessed me. Nothing. It don't mean nothing these days. And what I'm saying for that is, like, when we get to heaven, we can't take anything like that with us. It's all staying here until this planet goes the way God says in the Word. So to me, it don't mean nothing about what I've got these days or what I've had. I don't care. My heart, and it should be our heart, is, you know, look, one thing money can do is it can, you can't take your money to heaven, but it can change, you can get people saved. Uh, because I always say, you know, outside, and um, we look at the weather out there, and, and we look at all, all life, and we just think, you know, uh, the rain is free. It's free, it comes from heaven, but it costs money to pipe it to your place. The gospel is free, but it does cost money to pipe it out there. And that's what my heart is today, is just simply doing whatever I can with any bit of money I can to try and put it back into getting people saved so that when we get to heaven, uh, no, I don't, I'm not saying people come up and thank you because they got, there's only one person they can thank and that's God, no matter what. Uh, but, you know, it would be a blessing to see some of those people that I've led to the Lord in heaven too. That would be a blessing to me. And, uh, and you know, that would be just something I would love to see. So, you know, my heart today is fan the flame. Keep stirring up the gift of God on a daily basis. And if I need to, you know, like I just said before, you know, take communion on a daily basis. Remind God of his own word. Isaiah 62 verse 6. Remind him of these promises. Keep, uh, keep your heart right. Now, now, let me say this to you. Every single Christian in this entire church and every Christian in the world, including myself, we all in some way during the day, don't get me wrong, but in some way during the day we will sin. It's because we live in a fallen world. It could be a thought. It could be a, your tongue telling a little fib. It could be something like that. I don't know. It could be anything. But the thing of it is we, we need to come to God and then ask the Lord. Like David said, he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, show me my heart. I want to see my heart. And I think when we do that, God's going to show us things. He's going to show us things that are hidden uh, to the world. Maybe the whole world don't know it, but you know it. You know in your own heart that there's a certain thing in your life you really need to fix up, whatever it is. It could be something really small. If you told me, I'd go, oh, I wouldn't even worry about that. But you know what? To your heart, to God's heart, it might mean something different. It's just important to do that. Now, I'm not up here saying, there's another one I want to put up there, Jonathan Kahn. Can you put Jonathan Kahn up, his picture? Jonathan Kahn's a mighty man of God. He's written maybe 20 bestsellers of uh, the harbinger. The harbinger means warnings coming. And uh, you'll see him in a mini. And uh, Jonathan's a, a one of There's plenty of really good preachers. I firmly believe in staying in church, keep coming to church on a weekly basis, absolutely 100% getting mixed up in the church, doing what you can. But I also believe that, you know, you can have these different preachers. Uh, they could... They, you know, you can, you can get, you know what I always say? You listen to these different preachers, take off the meat and spit out the bones. So in other words, none of us have got it perfect. No one, not one preacher in the world, not a Kenneth Copeland, no one. But if you can get these and listen to these guys, it gives you a world of information to, uh, honestly, to, to show you, you know, what could take place. Now, if that does take place and, Another thing I'll tell you what they've done is Jonathan Kahn. He's a really good preacher and written a lot of books. He's an actually a, um, he's a Jewish rabbi and uh, he is incredibly knowledge about, about the Jews. Wow, man, I, I'm blown out when I listen to him. I listen to him for hours just talking about, you know, the Jews and about, uh, about what happened in the Second World War and about how with Hitler and when he was born, the day he was born, they... Germany had accepted this demonic thing coming into their country. It's amazing. And it was the same day. It was, you just got a lot of knowledge. 
and he just shares about it. And they're good things to listen and understand because you know what it does? It just shows you how real God is. I mean, he is so much into times, into dates, the Lord is. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it really boggles my mind. And sometimes I'll be sitting there just listening to it and I've got my mouth open just thinking, golly, gosh. Uh, but look, there's other preachers you can listen to. I love listening to people like Jerry Savelle. To me, you know what they are? They're like a, um, a vitamin tablet. It's very important to go to church because, uh, you know, you come to church and uh, your next-door neighbour in church stands on your toe. Well, you've got to learn to forgive them, right? So you really don't get that by watching TV. You know, like if you're just going to sit at home and watch these great preachers, you won't get that standing on your toe most of the time. So it's very important to come to church because that's where you act out your Christianity. That's where you're going to show people that you who you are really are. They'll know you. And the thing is, um, but these people are good to listen to. Jerry Savelle is one of my favourite preachers. I love listening to him. He talks a lot about faith and about believing God for certain things. It lifts your faith. It's They're like, uh, I know Jerry Savelle um, personally. He's a very personal friend of mine. And... Um, He's just, a, they're just such good people to listen to. So what I say is, you listen to them, you take off the meat and spit out the bones. Things you don't understand, just put it aside. But things you do understand, get it and put it in your heart. Fan the flame. Keep yourself alive in God. We're supposed to be out there sharing about Jesus coming back. And I can tell you, he's coming back and it's not far away. I believe in my heart. Uh, another one as I like is course, Kenneth Copeland. I'm, I like Kenneth Copeland a lot. That's the way it is. You know, they're just different people, different people. A lot of people say, ah, I don't like him, whatever. That's fine. Get whoever you like. Now, I'm going to read another scripture out of Luke, chapter 21. It says the same thing, basically. Chapter 21 and verse 25. Lugie is. Yeah, amazing. Amazing some of the stuff that's happening. And, uh, you know, it's really, it's really changed things just looking around the world today in the last couple of years with the COVID and everything that's taken place. And there's worse things to come. We, we know that. But thank God I'll end up with some good scriptures in a minute. But it says here in verse 25, so I can see it. There shall be signs... In the sun and in the moon and in the stars, upon the earth, distress of nations with uh, perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of heaven shall be shaken. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with with power and great glory, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. It's not long to go, guys. Uh, I do believe it's in our lifetime. I firmly do believe that. I believe it's not far away. Don't go away from here and say, Pastor Terry said it's going to happen in 2025. It's going to be the rapture. I don't know. All I know is it's... The season, we're looking at the seasons, and that could take place. Three and a half years, if it is correct, and if a pulpus does hit the earth, three if that's the way it is, three and a half years beforehand, I believe the Lord will take us out of here. Because when an, if you listen to some of these preachers, they'll tell you, if a pulpus does hit like they really believe it will, they're firmly believing it will, they said from that moment onwards, comes the time of the mark of the beast, of all the really crazy things that take place and, you know, all those sort of things. That'll be the second three and a half years. Uh, so I do believe. So around the 2000, this is what I feel, around the 2025, it could take place. They could do up a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. Everything on the news today, you know, I listen a lot about Israel. And uh, the whole world is start the centre away from Israel. They're not helping them. And it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. It's like, like I was saying before, yes becomes a no and the lie becomes the truth. It's so weird. You know, they're, 
I don't know if you realize this, but Israel, the Jews, are so blessed they've made, God has given them the ability to invent so many things. You know, like over there uh, in the desert where they've got the dripping water that comes in and has now turned the desert into a lush place. All these, these are just a fraction of the things they've invented. The Jews of God, because God is upon them so much. That's one of the smallest nations in the world. And yet God blesses them so much because he loves them. And the thing of it is, is, is um, the whole world, you know, the United Nations and everything, they're all going against them. They're all saying, no, Jerusalem cannot be part of the Israelis and this and that. And you, know, you sit there, just this morning I was looking at, uh, uh, what do you call I think it's called Dateline on on the Christian channel, and they were showing this little 11-year-old lady, young girl, found a coin. And in that coin, they've got the markings of it. They thought it was just rubbish at first. Her father said, I'll just throw it away. But she said, no, I'm going to check it out, Dad. And she got it checked out. And it shows you, like, they've got these experts, and they they got the coin cleaned up. It's well over 2,000 years old. It was, uh, they just show you all the stuff about it. And and how and it really proves one hundred thousand percent that uh, the Jews uh, really are the rightful owners of Jerusalem of that land, and yet the world is saying no, you can't do that. You can only have one part. We want to we want to uh, you know have a two state uh, uh, country. So there's different states. The Palestinians and look, you know, God I know God loves the Palestinians. The point of it is. You know, you can't let them have anything, really, because you give the devil an inch, and what does he do? He takes a mile, and he'll take more than a mile off them. So I believe in my heart that, uh, you know, we've got to look at those things. Don't just pass them up, and don't just think, oh, well, I can, you know, even if Pastor Terry's right in 2000, around 2025, you know, we get raptured away, well, I can play up some, no, you can't do that either, because he could come back today. We don't know. He's, you know, you don't know with the Lord. That's the thing. You can put it in your head and say, this is what it should happen. But all of a sudden, bang, things change. You go, wow, I didn't see that coming. I don't think any of us seen us coming about the COVID thing. You know what I mean? It was miraculous how that's come in. And, uh, you know, it's a big lead up, of course, uh, to the, the mark of the beast. Everything's going that way. It'll take a few years, maybe. Maybe be quick, but I believe it in my heart that is a big lead up to the mark of the beast that will all be made. Well, those that are here, none of us Christians will take that thing. I'd rather you know, be put to death than have that because that means that you take that and forever and ever and ever. But I'll tell you right now, I believe it's going to be tempting to a lot of people in those days. It won't be from us. We're all going to be strong. Now, let me just read you some more, a couple of scriptures. First John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank God we got Jesus. You know, I've been talking about some things that may take place. And I'm saying they will take place, but I'm saying like may take place in our lifetime. So we've got to look at the world, what the word says. You know, greater is he that is in me. Thank God I've got Jesus in me. Thank God Jesus in you. It says in First John Chapter 4, verse 16 to 17, as he is, uh, Jesus, no fear, no trouble, and so are we in this world. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen. We do have to think about ourselves and where we're right with God or not. That's very, very important. Stay right with God. Keep going on with God. Keep sharing Jesus. Do whatever you can. You don't have to, you know, you, you meet your next door neighbor or someone like that, you don't, you don't have to go up and say to them, oh, look, you know, um, uh, you've got to get saved and the Bible says you're going to hell if you don't get saved. You don't have to do that. That will just push people away. When I first got saved, that was what I was like with my mum and dad and my, all my family. I went in there and just blew, blew them and just said, look, you know, get saved. I don't want to see any of you in hell. So, you know, it took a long, long time after I woke up to myself, you know, don't be like that, Terry. Just slow down, be a little bit different. And so what happened, my father was an atheist. And, um, and he, after I got saved, he seen the way I was. 
My father said to my family, Terry will die in this game, uh, not in the Christianity. He was talking about before and I was a you know, part-time gangster, you might say. He was saying, he was telling, Terry's not going to come out of this. We're going to bury him. He's too bad. He's become this terrible person. And uh, so you'd think when my dad sees that takes place, I get, become a born-again Christian and my whole life turns around, you'd think he'd sit there and go, well, there must be a God. A lot of my friends did, but he didn't. My father, for the next 20 years, he kept, uh, he'd, he'd do things to me to annoy me, like I would be saying, we're going to have a prayer, a prayer session, Dad. And my father was with me at the front. He said, oh, what are you going to do? I said, oh, we're just going inside. I'm just going to have a little prayer, and then I'll come back out. It was about several guys. So I go in there, and my father comes in, and grabs a nude book and throws it in the centre of, <laughs> of the table while we're praying. And I went, uh, uh, that was my father. He was like that. He just wanted to. And when I ran the church for 16 years at, uh, in my church there, he would come up to the ladies and say certain things. And I'd say, Dad, you can't do that. Well, thank God everyone knew my father because they would just sort of laugh it off. But you know what? Right up until near his death, you know, God gave me a scripture, Job chapter 22, verse 30. He said, um, by the cleanliness of your hands, Terry, those that are guilty will be made innocent. So I just kept saying to Dad all the time, you know, he had an aneurysm in the end. The doctors told him he wouldn't live till that Christmas. So Dad would always say, I'll be dead at Christmas before Christmas, and I'd say, don't say that, Dad. No, no, the doctor said this, it's about to explode, this and that. He kept saying it, and I just kept saying, Lord, you've got to get him saved, you've got to get him saved. I don't want to see my father go to hell. What, you know, after all the years of me being a Christian, and, and he still misses out on it, after everything we, we've done, Lord, we can't. I remind you of your promise, Lord. Isaiah 62, verse 6, remind you of your promise. You've given me that word. You give me a word that my father will get saved. You give me that word. You said, by the cleanliness of my hands, those that are guilty be made innocent. Now, Dad does die before Christmas that year and uh, in November. And um, we had, I don't know, maybe 200, 250 people came to his funeral at my church. And I was so devastated because I never seen Dad change. I was so devastated, so just downhearted. I just, I couldn't, I said, I can't do the service. So I asked a friend of mine, um, what was his name? Jim Williams, Pastor Jim Williams. I said, Pastor Jim, will you do my dad's funeral? I'll sit there, I'll be there, but I can't. I'll be crying too much because, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking my dad's gone to hell. And so Pastor Jim sits there and, and he does the funeral and while he's doing it, I'm just sitting there with this, like an elephant on me. Have you ever felt that? Like it was, it was so horrible. Just felt like this horrible feeling that my father just gone to hell, and no matter what I did, all those years, and he just could not, you know. The next minute, Pastor Jim said, "Does anyone like to say anything about Ray Walker?" And a, a young lady, Aboriginal lady, uh, stood up and said, "Yes, I'd like to." What was her name? Perina. Um, she's a lovely lady, Aboriginal lady, and Perina had been with us for many years. She had her kids in our church and everything. Perina stood up and said, I, I'd like to say something. And, uh, and Pastor Jim said, what would you like? She said, well, Ray came to her uh, and asked her to lead him to Jesus. I went, what? I couldn't believe he is. And so she led him to Jesus, and then he said to her, to Perina, there's one thing I've got to get you to do and promise me you'll do. And she said, what? Don't tell Terry. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I see my dad in heaven. I'm going to say something. <laughs> but, you know, like it was like an elephant lifted off me. It was just I thought, thank God. You know, God's word works. However, we will get put to the test. There's been a lot of times, and you know what I'm talking about, God's word will, will, will prevail against what the enemy is doing to us. It can get 
hard. It can get awkward as a born-again Christian because we get so many knockbacks or so many different things that we, don't, we think won't go that way, and they do. You know, I had uh, two years of preaching over in New Zealand. I had to cancel them. And uh, we'd built a house over there, done everything, you know. I mean, God blessed us so much. And uh, it was just all thrown in the air, the whole lot. And I had to, we had to come back to Australia and work things out here. We have now. It's all worked out now. But, boy, goodness, on the way through, it's, it's like you sit there and you go, wow, Lord, no one pr- predicted this. You know, I mean, another word says that pestilence and diseases come upon the earth. You sort of would never imagine that sort of thing to happen. But anyway, it did, and, but we got through it. We got through it. Praise the Lord, I'm on the other side now. I can go back to New Zealand. I can start again. But the pastors over there, you know, we don't want to live there. We just want to go over there and, and, uh, and just travel to and fro. The Bible says, there's, there's um, Isaiah 54, 13 and 14, Fear does not come by me. Do not fear what's going to happen to us in this near future. Don't allow fear to come because the only fear that we should have is the fear of the Lord. That's the only fear. The time when the Lord came in that room in, in, uh, in that time was uh, down in Cheddar Road Reservoir. And it's been on TV. They took all the things of other Australian stories. I'll never forget... I was a person that feared nobody. I had bounced in a pub as a fighter for six years, never been beaten. I'd fought three, four, because I was very good at martial arts. I learnt as a very young kid. And I was very good at, you know, getting people down and hurting them and stuff like that. So I was the bouncer, the, the, the boss. And all that time I never feared anyone, and no one at all. When the Lord came in that time, when the Lord came in to that room... It was, I was scared, not a bad scared. It was a good scary. It was, I don't know how to explain it, but it's the fear of the Lord is for our good always, the word says. And the Lord came into that room and spoke to me in the, in the form of a big bright light. I heard the voice of God say, Terry Walker, because you called on my name, I'm going to pull you out of seats in high places. I ran out of that big bright room into darkness and I looked back into the room and I, I was, it just freaked me out. I said, Lord, I'll do anything for you. Just don't make me a Bible basher. And I, I think maybe the Lord might have laughed a bit at that too. But the point of it is, that's exactly what happened. From that moment forth, heroin disappeared out of my body. I had just done an arm hold up before this, only moments before this took place. It's a long story. I'm not going into it. But the thing is, I'd only just done it. I went around and bought a massive dose of heroin. Before I came back home that night, I came back home and had that hit of heroin and I was trying to keep myself awake because I'd known that twice in my life I actually died um, or my heart stopped, put it that way. Once was in the back of an ambulance and it stopped for a couple of minutes, they got me going and the other time was my girlfriend at the time was a registered nurse and she got my heart going, I'd overdose. So I knew what it was like to overdose, I knew what it was like. To, to feel that feeling of going into darkness. And I felt like, I thought, oh, God. And I went into that room and I just said what the girl had told me. She said, you pray this scripture. It's the only thing I ever knew about God. She said, ask Jesus to show you the way one day at a time. And that's all I did. I put my hands up and I said, Jesus, show me the way one day at a time. Get me out of this horrible. I was on that heroin $800 a day back then. That'd be probably four or five grand a day now. And I was on that for five years. Five years of my life. A well-known criminal, very bad at what I was doing, just terrible person. And then when the Lord touched me from, from, from 100% into bad stuff, I walked out of that room and I was instantly, instantly, I was sober. There was no heroin in my body. I knew God had touched me. I've never had heroin ever since. I didn't withdraw. I didn't go through pain. God touched me in a major way. Now, I want to stay that way because my friends came back and I told them that Jesus just came in the room. They all looked at me. I suppose I was probably a little brighter than what I used to be, you know, on the heroin. 
And they were looking at me going, what, what, what's going on with you? And I said, J- J- Jesus just came in the room. And they went, oh, boy, all the fights he's had all through his life has knocked him crazy. So, you know, what I'm saying is, like, we got to fan the flame. i got to do it. you got to do it because I do not want to be one of those people that the Lord says, you know, well, what have you done? I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. No, well, what, what have you been doing? You know, I don't want that. To my heart's desire today is every person I see out in the field and everywhere, oh, I think, God, I hope they're saved. If there's some way that we can, you know, Susie does something really good. She's got a track that she keeps with her all the time. And everywhere she goes, she'll just drop that little track. It might be in a toilet, might be somewhere else, wherever it is, but she'll drop it and um, she'll see someone on the street that needs food. She'll go up and not just hand them the track. She'll give them five bucks or whatever to go and buy a hamburger and says, I want you to listen to this too. Read this. I mean, that's what we, all we have to do. We don't have to do anything else special. Just share in the word. Just keep the word going out as much as we can because let me tell you this. There's a scripture in the Bible in the Old Testament. It says, Hal is being made bigger every day. It's there. No, Isaiah. It's there. It's being made bigger. And the reason is, there's this multitudes of people going to hell. Multitudes. You just sit there and listen to people talk and you think, oh my goodness, they're not saved. And there is multiple, multiple thousands of people just going to hell on a daily basis. And it is up to us to do what we can do to keep sharing the word tonight, today, sorry. Uh, I'll do one thing is at the end of the service, I'd like to pray for people. Um, If you feel like you'd like to come out the front, let me do that. I'll hand them back to the church right now because I'm not sure exactly. It's been a couple of years since I've been. I'm not sure what happens next. But anyway, we'll do that. And then I'll I'll come out the front here and pray for anyone who feels in their heart they'd like to get that fan flamed. They'd like to fan it. They'd like to say, Lord, I want to do what you want for me. I want to be able to share and not be ashamed of Jesus. Some of the people I meet, you know, they go to work and they are just too scared to say anything about the Lord. You know, one thing I found out I've done every job or everywhere I go, non-Christians there, this is what I like to do. I think to myself, well, if the persecu- they're going to persecute me, let it start. So I just go in there and I don't, I'm nicely about it. Don't get me wrong. And they'll be talking to me and they'll say, oh, what do you know? I'll say, oh, I'm a born-again Christian. Then I'll just go into other things. I let them know straight away where I stand. And then, of course, they do their normal things, start swearing and carrying on, do whatever they want. I don't care. I do not care. All I know is I've broken that little barrier to let them know that I'm a Christian. Then after that, they, some of them will turn around and ask me, well, how'd you become a Christian? Why would you want to do that, this and that? And then I'll start telling them. Then I'll start sharing. Sometimes they do nothing. I was with the big boss at Cannons just a little while ago. Great big boss he is. And we had to go and pick up a big truck, bring it back. It had been damaged. And he said, would you come with me, Terry, and you can drive it back? I said, yeah, I'll do that. Beautiful band. You came with him. So I did that. And on the way there, you know, he was just talking about our families. And he was telling me about his family. One thing I found out is people in the world love to talk. So I just let him talk, and he was talking away, saying, you know, he's proud of his sons and his daughters and things like that. And then, uh, you know, and he says, what about your family? I said, oh, you know, I'm proud of my son too. He's, at the time, I said, he's, he's put in to become the inspector of police in Victoria. I said, he hasn't got it yet, but he'll get it for sure, you know, and uh, talking away. And then he said, oh, God. And then I said, yeah, I used to hate the police. And he said, what do you mean? I said, oh, yeah, I've done a bit of prison. <laughs> he went, what? I said, yeah, yeah, you know, and I just started sharing with him about Jesus and then you could see he shut down after that. That's fine. I let him know. I don't care. He can come back. He can persecute me. He can do what he likes. As far as I'm concerned, I did what God would want me to do is is to put a seed out there. That's what we should be doing, putting the seed out there, just seeds, and they can grow. They'll come back and some of those people will come back and say, I want to know more. Or can you tell me this or tell me that? Believe me, it does work. So praise the Lord. Amen. I hope that that encourages you 
to look into our future. It encourages you to definitely look into those famous, those really good preachers, listen to what they've got to say. You'll get amazed by some of them. They've got so much knowledge and it's so good to listen to and hear. And, um, you know, uh, it's just something that I feel strongly about and uh, obviously burn the flame that's within us, get it, get it going again. And remember, everywhere you go, just simply seed. That's all you could do is share a seed. Get that seed out and then let the Lord put it to, to uh, get it going again. Amen? Praise the Lord. I hope that's helped you. I'll hand it back to Pastor Daphne, is it? I'm not sure. Um, whether they sing another song or whatever, but I'll pray for people once you've done whatever because I think they do the announcements or something there. I'm not sure.